guys, welcome back. I'm Nick. I'm Faye. And this is Kriogs Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. Alright guys, so as we continue our fabulous adventure through pregnancy, this episode is going to be again a sky view of a new OB visit is how we've envisioned it. today are going to talk about pregnancy history, pregnancy risk factors, and how to date a pregnancy optimally. The learning objectives for today will be to identify risk factors for pregnancy complications during ansepartum care, counsel patients regarding lifestyle modifications and warning signs of adverse pregnancy events, and to determine the appropriate dating of a pregnancy. So prenatal care is a huge topic to cover. There's a ton of things that you need to review on initial prenatal visit, which is why it takes 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes. Um, And we're going to try and cover most of that uh, in this 10-minute podcast. What's going to happen is it'll depend on your location, your patient population, gestational age at which your patient initially presents. So there's probably going to be some topics that we don't address adequately in this podcast today. However, we will focus on important high-yield risk factors to be aware of, as well as the more important aspects of primary prevention of maternal and fetal complications. Uh, And of course, we'll have future episodes to talk about other topics that should be covered in early pregnancy, like genetic screening, certain high-risk medical conditions, and mode of delivery counseling. We just don't have time right now. Yeah, sadly. Faye, I know a good history obviously sets the stage for an OB visit. Definitely. Um, and I don't know about you, but I kind of like to break things down like a, like I'm thinking like a medical student again um, with a classic presentation. So age, OB history, medical history, and then going through all the other things. So I have a 35-year-old G3, P2, da-da-da-da-da. Right. Um, so let's start with age. Obviously, maternal age carries some risk factors on either side of the spectrum. With older age, we have increased risk for chromosomal abnormalities, especially after age 35. And at other advanced ages, there are risks of health conditions, obviously chronic conditions, as well as pregnancy-associated conditions. Women, regardless of their age, should be screened for domestic violence, trafficking, and sexual abuse, but you should carry a heightened risk of suspicion for this in younger patients. And patients at the extremes of age are also at increased risk of hypertensive disorders of pregnancy. Mm, okay. And and what about like their previous OB history? So yeah, we want to know how many pregnancies, get our G's and P's totally aligned there. We want to know about mode of delivery, any delivery complications in the past. And theme going forward <laughs> is that something that's happened before is at risk of happening again. Right, right. In terms of medical history, Faye, what are the things that you look for? Things that I would probably ask any patient that comes in, not just someone who's pregnant, but anything that would affect their pregnancy, things like hypertension, right? Are they someone who has a chronic history of hypertension or have they had um, pregnancy-associated hypertension in previous pregnancies? Mm. Um, And this should definitely be documented at their new visit OB. You obviously want to get labs for evaluation of their preeclampsia, you know, looking at their liver function, their creatinine, and also the P to C at that new visit OB just to get your baseline labs. Sure. 
I oftentimes look for diabetes too. You know, anybody who's had any sort of history of diabetes, regardless of the type, should be considered a risk factor in their pregnancy. Early on in pregnancy, uncontrolled diabetes is a common cause of malformations or spontaneous abortion, and so getting it under control should really be priority, or one of your first priorities, I guess I'd say. You should consider early diabetic screening in those with a history of gestational diabetes in previous pregnancies or with other risk factors like a history of morbid obesity. Mm. There isn't really an optimal methodology as far as the literature is concerned, but one might consider an early one-hour glucose tolerance test or an A1C. And again, speaking of obesity, that in and of itself is its own separate risk factor for multiple complications of pregnancy. So appropriate weight gain guidelines should be reviewed at the new OB visit for all OB patients, regardless of their initial BMI, and you should follow weight gain throughout the pregnancy. Pregnancy is a great motivator for healthy behaviors, and so in your obese patients, talking about a healthy lifestyle for both mom and the new baby is a great way to start that conversation. It's also a good time to talk about breastfeeding as an excellent method to kind of burn some extra calories during the postpartum period. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think starting off talking about what's a good way to continue with like good healthy habits. Another thing that I want to ask about is depression and psychiatric illness. If these women aren't plugged into care for their previous psychiatric illnesses, pregnancy is a great way to get them into care Mm -hmm. because you see them so many times. And we know that depression is prevalent in almost one in five Americans and women with a history of psychiatric illness are definitely at greater risk for recurrence during pregnancy or in the postpartum period. Many patients who are taking medicine for their psychiatric conditions are concerned about these potential fetal effects, and so a lot of them will actually just stop taking their medications by themselves. So definitely doing a good depression screening, definitely getting them hooked up into behavioral health or social work or whatever resources that you have at your institute, and assuring them that there are safe and effective means of treating depression or other psychiatric illnesses, whether it's through cognitive behavioral therapy or medical therapy. Absolutely. And kind of going off of that, I guess, the social history as well is really important to establish. You know, we always talk about in a social history the classic things like alcohol use, smoking, drug use, and those certainly are important for the long-term health of the pregnancy and for long-term health of mom and baby. But also talking about safety and support in the home environment, satisfaction in relationships, and history of abuse again, and screening for domestic violence, all those things are ways to connect the pregnant patient to care that may not have been present before. Yeah, exactly. The last thing I always ask is family history. Just because, you know, there may be things that run in the patient's family that we may be able to screen for things like in their prenatal screening or testing. Mm -hmm. All right. So once you reviewed all this history with your patient, the next important thing to do at the first prenatal visit is to talk about dating. And by Dating, it's not a continuation here of the social history, to be clear. We're actually trying to move forward and talk about the established due date for the pregnancy. Um, By convention, the due date is 280 days after the last menstrual period. Kind of a fun fact. But according to ACOG, first trimester ultrasound, or before 13 weeks and 6 days, is the optimal methodology for establishing a due date. Um, And you should really attempt to coordinate the ultrasound dating with the first day of the patient's last menstrual period. That said, less than half of women can reliably identify the first day of their last menstrual period. So again, the first trimester ultrasound, if you can get it, is really important. An exception to this rule is any kind of artificial reproductive technology where the methods 
used in ART would actually give you an estimated due date and you should be using that estimated due date regardless of ultrasound examination since the date of conception or date of embryo transfer is known with certainty. So knowing the measurements in ultrasounds and the margins of error for ultrasounds is unfortunately really important. And Faye and I have kind of racked our brains and we haven't figured out a really good way to memorize this stuff. I have to look at, look back at my intern cards every single time. Yeah. We're going to kind of lay it out for you here, but the ACOG Committee Opinion 700 has a table that's an excellent overview of pregnancy dating. So an ultrasound before 13 weeks and 6 days measures the crown rump length to establish dating. Um, and if this ultrasound performs before 8 weeks and 6 days, you get a margin of error with the LMP of 5 days or less. If it's between 9 weeks and 13 weeks and 6 days, that discrepancy increases to 7 days. After 14 weeks, instead of using the crown rump length, you'll be using fetal biometry. So you're measuring head circumference, biparietal diameter, abdominal circumference, and femur length to come up with an estimated EDD. Mm -hmm. Between 14 weeks and 15 and 6, a discrepancy with the LMP of about 7 days is allowed. And between 16 weeks and 21 weeks and 6 days, that permitted discrepancy increases to 10 days. Pregnancies without an ultrasound before 22 weeks, um, so at the end of this time period, should be considered suboptimally dated. And before we kind of start talking about this, it's important to note that institutional policies may vary at this point. We're presenting the ACOG recommendations, and you can read more about those in the Committee Opinion 688. So ACOG still supports that ultrasound is the best methodology for determining ideal dating, noting a discrepancy with the LNP of 14 days between 22 weeks and 27 weeks and 6 days, and allowing a discrepancy of 21 days beyond 28 weeks. Decisions regarding indicated preterm delivery or use of corticosteroids should be given based on this best clinical estimate. And ACOG does not recommend induction of these patients before 41 weeks to prevent problems associated with late-term pregnancy, noting for this potential for error, they do recommend antenatal testing beginning around 39 weeks for patients with suboptimal dating just because we think that they may be 39 weeks, but because of this huge range of where their due date actually could be, that patient could be beyond 41 weeks. Mm -hmm. And Nick, I think that brings us to the end of this episode for the initial prenatal visit. Man, a lot to cover. So obviously these visits last 45 minutes in the office. So again, if we missed something during this episode, don't worry, we're going to come back to it in the future. But to summarize, with your new OB visit, a good history sets the stage. And you want to think about everything from age, previous OB history, previous medical history, and also getting things like a psychiatric history, social history, and family history. And of course, you want to establish the estimated due date for your patient. So to do that, you would use their last menstrual period as well as a first trimester ultrasound, ideally, or you go by the ACOG guidelines for whatever trimester their ultrasound comes from. Unfortunately, we don't have a good mnemonic as to how to memorize that. So if you listeners have a good way of remembering this, please send it to us and we'll put it on our website. Once again, this is Faye. And this is Nick. And remember, use ultrasound on the first date.
To get more out of Kriags Over Coffee, you can follow us on Twitter at Kriags Over Coff, spelled C-O-F-F-1, or come visit us on our website, kriagsovercoffee.com. Or if you have any questions, um, anything that we missed, or any suggestions for topics, you can email us at kriagsovercoffee at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever your podcast engine is. Thank you.